Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. There are four, no, there are five, by the way, large, unmarked, and unopened plastic bags of tortilla chips in the station kitchen area. Their origin and time of arrival is unknown. Sports Talk Saturday. If you've never smoked and you've only tried one maybe spoiled bag of tortilla chips, you might only pay $20 a month for health insurance. On WGR. Be like Lou. He's on bag number two. (laughs) Sports Radio 550. What have I done? I've, I've turned Sports Talk Saturday into random nonsense show. Well, what did you expect out of yourself? Sports. Which you get sometimes. That I talk about. On Saturday. Preferably. <laughs> Welcome into another Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Frank Arcuri back in the second chair today. Evan DePasquale hanging out on the board there, picking a classic from last year. The That day, I was on a bender. There's the unmarked tortilla chips, the 30-minute segment about how much I hate the Tennessee Titans. Like That was one of the dumbest shows I've ever done. The one of many Titans hate segments you've done. Yeah, but that one took 30 minutes of everyone's time. Like I, that's that. If that's not certified hater territory, I don't know what is. I made a bullet point list, Frank. You did. It was twenty-seven points long. <laughs> you did do that. And at my other job, I spent my time getting paid on the clock typing out why I hate the Tennessee Titans. I remember you told me this. Pure negligence of my other job. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't have time to hate on the Tennessee Titans. They're just the forgotten franchise again. Uh, Anyway, this is Sports Talk Saturday, and last week, I said that everything was on fire. Last week, I let out a... I let out a scream of anger so charged that people felt that in their soul. Evan's looking for the clip now, I know. Yeah, there's that grin. Anyway... It's not to play the clip again, Evan. It's to let people know that the Bills and Sabres took it as a challenge and decided, hey, score! Yeah, that's what it sounded like. (laughs) But the Bills and Sabres took that as a challenge 
and decided, hey, what if we make things more annoying for you? That is where we're at one week later. A scream from the bowels of my soul was apparently a sign of things to come. Score! You got two. (laughs) You're done. Typically the rules, everyone gets one. (laughs) But you've been doing really well, so you get two. The Bills and Sabres took this as a challenge, though, and said, let's make everything more irritating. By actually real-life losing to the Denver Broncos, a team that gave up 70 points at some point in the season for the first time since color television was rarely a thing. And then... All right, look, I'm going to say something real here. Okay, I'm listening. And I I genuinely hope in my heart of hearts that this is the last time I ever have to hecking say this ever again. I do not care if you don't like him, but for the love of God and everything lovable about football and watching it, Stop trying to hate on Stefan Diggs. That is not the last time you're going to have to say it. I hate that you're... I said two sentences, Frank. (laughs) And you're already telling me, yeah, give up on that dream. I know you're right. You don't have to tell me. Look. This is going to sound egotistical. But we as media members, we do have some form of power of subjectivity. Being able to shape opinions sometimes Mm -hmm. or, you know, kind of start making voices louder in a sense. If we start talking about something, other people have talked about it too. And then they go, oh, that I I heard that there too. So we're in agreement. Or people hear it and they go, actually, that's not a bad point. And I'm not saying, like, I'm obviously saying it's not something here, but, like, you read something, you listen to something, Mm -hmm. you watch something, and someone says something. I do not care. You know, this part is, this part of it's kind of bogus. The national media is going to say whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And Rob Gronkowski, keep the Buffalo Bills out of your damn mouth. As far as I'm concerned, you're not from here. You only talk about them now because it's convenient because they're actually good. So him saying something about Stefan Diggs and the drama thing, of course that, of course you were going to say that. Of course Stephen A. Smith is going to say that. Of course ESPN and First Take are going to say that. Of course they are. But if you write for the Bills and you're deciding to write something about tweets that his brother said? Who's his own person? The person I'm referencing here is Sal Mariana 
of the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle. And the article saying Stefan Diggs says he's not responsible for his brother's comments about Josh Allen. Okay. Are we done here? That should be it. Oh, you wrote an article on it. Yeah. Trayvon Diggs' tweets, of course, bringing up unnecessary opinions from fans and apparently writers. Man, 14 got to get up out of there. Let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there, referring to Josh Allen. Ready? Other people are allowed to have opinions. That's crazy, isn't it? And Stefan Diggs now has to talk to the media about his brother's comments. Yeah. And has to be to- asked again about his commitment to this football team. Which has been very clear and concise that he is committed to this football team. Dig saying, I repeatedly have had to say the same thing to multiple people. And I feel like y'all put me in a space where as though, where I really want to ask the question as to what y'all are feeling about the situation. How do y'all feel? Because I feel like the less I say, the more they pry. Or when I address the situation, it's not enough. He said what he has had to say. You want more information as to, well, speak more about it. I feel like I addressed it in training camp. I addressed it prior to that. And other sale says immediately after that, these are the words written in the article. Well, not really. What? No, he did. He sat down with everyone and had a very direct and upfront long conversation with everyone at training camp. He's calling what Diggs said word salad. What does that mean, word salad? means you're just saying a bunch of words and just putting it all together in like one, one bowl. Pretty much. And he's saying that Stefan Diggs should be out there straight up saying, my brother needs to stop talking. No. You don't tell someone how to deal with their family. Yeah. Ever. No, you don't. And secondly, he's addressed it already. Let it go. Everyone let it go. (coughs) So, I hope this is for the last time. Because I'm not the only one. But if anyone decides they need to say he needs to address his brother's tweets, they're tweets, dog. I tweet stupid things all the time. Me too. Last I'm saying about that. We shift to Sabres. Our friend Joe Yurden comes on. Coming up next here as Sports Talk Saturday gets rolling. Sabres losing last night in Winnipeg. They look good for the most part. Except for the three goals against that, unfortunately, went in their net that they didn't outdo. Yeah. We talk to Joe Yurden coming up next.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Jets Dillon keeps it in on the near wall. Quick play up by Rasmus Dahlin for Benson, who gives it back to the Sabres defenseman. Here's a breakaway pass here and a chance for Paterka again. Scores! That time it finds a home in the back of the net, and the Sabres are indeed just down a goal once again. It's 3-2 Winnipeg. A minute into this period. JJ's on fire. Your defense is terrified. Yes. Still a great goal song selection for JJ Paterka. He needs to score at home more. But then again, Jeff Skinner needs to score more at home. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to score more at home. Yes. They need to play better at home. They do. Um, Well, yeah. Four and five. It's not often going to help get the butts in the seats and keep them there. So, the Buffalo Sabres losing last night against the Winnipeg Jets on the road. An unfortunate loss where the Sabres, it was their puck for most of the night. But unfortunately, the Jets win 3-2 to two against the Sabres in a game that I, I can just legitimately say I feel like Buffalo should have had. They definitely deserve better than what the results actually were um but at the same time it's getting to that point where you can't give them moral victories anymore i mean we already really can't this year because playoffs are the expectation yes but at the same time i mean you always can look at well and especially in october it's still early there's plenty there's so many games left there are already 17 games in now Yes. You're nearing the twenty game mark, and once you near the once you get to the twenty game mark, you kind of start to get an idea. Oh, okay, this is who they are. That's and the biggest thing for them is they got it. You know, they're doing what they can to keep themselves in the race, yes. in above water right now. Well, right now they have a three game losing streak, so we're gonna go over some of these woes, some of these problems on the West Her Hotline with everyone's favorite noted jerk. The Joe Yurden joining us now on Sports Talk Saturday. Joe, it's Derek. It's Frank. It's been a bit. Good to talk to you, my friend. Good to talk to you too, man. It's um, 
wish it was a little bit brighter stuff to talk about in Sabres, eh? Right? I mean, it's uh, it's been it's been a little bit of a str- struggle for everybody. Joe, what are you talking about? It's never been brighter. If you turn away from the Sabres, there is a giant flaming ball known as the Buffalo Bills. It's so bright. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Okay, true. Um, I I can't believe I get to say this. I'm jealous of your football team this year, Joe. Well, listen, that season's not over yet, so (laughs) there's still plenty of time for trouble there. So, uh, yeah, so don't worry. I I love the optimism. (laughs) See, but like that to, to, to tie it in with hockey. That that door can that door can swing both ways too. Like it can be easy to be, it's easy to be negative, right? Like it's easy to just be like, okay, everybody stinks. This is bad. Nothing good's gonna happen. It's just the easy default because it's safer, you know. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's you know, it's it's kind of like our own personal protection of being like, well, you guys aren't gonna hurt me again. Whatever you stink, <laughs> I, I'm gonna keep you at arm's length. That's that. But that's not as fun. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I also like to live dangerously. (laughs) So the Sabres, though, are currently in not as fun of a way. Living dangerously. They've lost three straight. Um, Each of the goalies taking a loss in this this three-game stretch. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's just seeming like a lot of inconsistency, particularly on the offensive side. They're not getting the goals that they were getting last year, Joe. And it seems like this uh, this bit of an issue with the depth on this team outside of the two the top two lines. Yeah, it's it, the, the the thing that gets me is that it's it, it's the it's the kind of the lack of consistency from uh, the attack. Because they, you know, uh, it, it it does look it looks different. It looks it looks like everybody's kind of fighting it a little bit. But I I, I look at this as you're you're kind of looking at a team that's trying to grow up a little bit. That's trying to be a, a little bit more mature. Because last year, I mean, yeah, last year was was fun. It was exciting. They scored tons of goals. They did all that. But the thing I would hear from you know, from, from people, uh, from, from, from people around hockey or people, you know, people that, you know, that that cover their own teams and whatever was they're like, wow, these guys are fun to watch, but they're not going to (laughs) win. Like they're not, they're not going to win much playing this way because there's, there's a kind of, there's a less exciting standard, less, you know, less exciting part for, for winning teams where, you know they they got to do the classic you know mind the house they got to you know buckle things down they got to do all do all these kinds of things and last year's Sabres team was fun because they just wanted to run and gun all the time and part of the problem with that is that it it breaks down your defense it breaks down your goaltenders and it makes makes life a lot tougher on the back end of things and the trying to find the perfect balance of all this is being able to score lots of goals, but also being able to clamp things down, you know, not necessarily like in a boring way, but being able to defend better and defend well enough so that you're not playing as many of those like six to five games. Instead, you want to win those games, maybe like five to two instead. 
Um, that's where I, I think this team's kind of trying to find that, trying to find that measure in between where you know where they can score goals at you know seemingly at will or with ease, and then also be able to limit dangerous chances all over the place. And I think they're they're trying to find that trying to strike that balance right now. And it, it's tough. It's tough. And, you know, I, I tell you what, things would be a lot, things would be a little bit brighter if, if the power play was going, <laughs> but the power play ain't going. So it's making things a, lo- a little, a little bit slash a lot harder. Well, I mean, yeah, unfortunately dragged it into the conversation. So we're going to talk about it. Um, what the heck is, I mean, Tage Thompson being out is certainly not going to make things better for a power play that's already been struggling, but what in the heck is going on with the special teams, or in particular with the power play? The penalty kill's been fine. It was off to a stellar start. It's kind of gone down a little bit to a a bit of an average unit as of late, but the power play? Yeah, it's... um... It's it's been tough to watch at times um, because it's it's not even it's not even where they're you know they're you know, they're getting zone time and you know they're they're getting caught overpassing which you know, was kind of what they were guilty of maybe the first couple of weeks uh, where guys just were a little bit gun shy to, to to pull the trigger on and and shots and trying to make the perfect play but right now they're having trouble even getting into the zone. And that's a, that's a big, it's a big, big issue because the, and, and I think it comes from, you know, it, and I don't know if other, you know, I'm not watching enough other games to, to see how other teams power plays are, are trying to do things to, to know better here. But um, what gets me is that teams are just kind of stacking up the blue line, you know, four guys, four guys are right across, you know, maybe there's one guy for checking to, to, to greet the puck carrier, but, they're not they're not able to, to to find that open lane to be able to get through, and kind of the last thing you want to do on a power play is to dump the puck in and and try to try to rescue it because you know you're not maintaining your possession you're you're turning it into a in, into a puck battle or or a fight for the puck or whatever. It's tough. It's been real tough to watch because they're trying to. There's a lot of kind of hard headed about it where trying to have their have their cake and eat it too and just. Say nope. This is how we do things. We're going to try to do it this way, and then it's getting you know the puck's getting knifed off their knifed off their blade, and then they're going back and retrieving it because it's getting dumped out, dumped away on them. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what you do <laughs> to try to to try to address this other than keep trying to do different things, you know, provide different looks and and try to try to do things that way because you know if, if they're not even able to to set up in the zone to try to, to generate chances on the power play, then, I, you know, you, it's, a, it's a different kind of argument where it's like, yeah, they can't score, but also they can't get the zone. And that's, that's where a lot of the struggle's been lately. Well, I was going to just say, too, it, it feels like, I mean, you're right, like they're not, you know, having trouble getting into the zone, and it seems like they're unwilling to try new things. And, it, it, you know, once they get in the zone, once they're able to set up, the power play does look fine. You know, it's just more of a matter of the puck actually going in at that point. But their unwillingness to try new things when they get on the power play seems to be the most frustrating part. You know, it's the, it's just the classic Darlene typically or power will skate up the middle of the ice, 
drop it back for usually it's Thompson. Uh, yesterday, I believe Middlestat was the guy who was taking who was taking that drop pass and trying to enter the zone with in, with speed, which I which is a fine play. But when you've got like two or three guys stacking the blue line, you know, and then you could stack your four up up on the blue line as well. But or at least your, your three guys on the blue line. But when you've got all four guys stacked up on the blue line, you're basically outnumbered in the blue at the blue line right from the start. It's going to make it really hard to enter the zone and the t- the team being unwilling to show that they can enter the zone in multiple ways. Really, it doesn't know they're not putting the, the the penalty killers on their heels right away from from the starts. And, and I think that's been like the biggest trouble with with the power play so far. And then, you know, once you get it, once you even able to set up, it's more of the matter of the shooters actually shooting. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like it's what I guess, like I'm trying to figure out like, what can they do to try new things? Is this more of like the coaching needs to kind of Im- implement this? Or is this more of the guys themselves having to actually do, you know, figure it out themselves? I, I think, I think a lot of it is, is the players recognizing what they're looking at when they're when they're on the ice uh, when they're trying to start their break, you know their breakouts and their and their, you know start up start up the power play uh, when they're working the puck up the ice um, you have to be able to recognize a lot of these things and and be able to adjust on the fly to to recognize what you know what you've got stacked up in front of you and and what's happening there and you know I, a lot of so much of what hockey is is you know being able to recognize these things on the ice and, and kind of and kind of adjust to it and and go from there but um it's you know the the power play part is is something that is, uh, i mean just seeing how don's reacted to questions about it you know after games or during the week after practices it's it's something that's making him making him upset because it's it's been such a fight for these guys to to get anything going and you know compared to last year when it was so you know everything you know there was that first two months where everything clicked and you know they're scoring at 40 percent you know and just everything was going in and it was you know life was good but um but even you know even when things normalized out and cooled off it was still a pretty good power play and they haven't found that stroke yet like they just haven't found you know found a way to do that and you know it's it's a matter of of you know going going over the things that you're learning in practice and 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 going over that and and doing it putting it into play during a game but you know a lot of it is is how teams are combating it in game and being able to adjust to that on the fly i mean you've got you got your coaches upstairs in the box and you've got, you know, the, the coaches on the bench that, that, that can look at these things and say, okay, here's what they're doing. You know, let's, let's, you know, let's go back and, and try to address this one, you know, when we get another one, but um, you know, it, it's one thing to prepare. It's another thing to, to, to do it in an actual, you know, an actual game action. Joe, you're joining us here on the Western hotline. Uh, you make mention of a lot of these, uh, the power play struggles guys. And um just like a single tear is rolling down my face right now because um, I'm watching Ottawa against Minnesota, and it's actually like there's puck movement. It's actually exciting. They're in the zone. They're creating chances, and I want to die. Um, at, anyway, <laughs> so my my main question here, though, Joe, is it's 
getting to game number nine for Zach Benson. He's at seven. Um, how has he looked, and do you think he stays? You know, uh, I, I've i been trying to get a feel for this, uh, and I've been brutally wrong about, about so many of these things, trying to think that I, I, I have an idea of what, you know, what's what they're doing and how they're going to act and, and the decisions they're going to make, but I've been horribly wrong. Oh, you're on the right show then. <laughs> I mean, uh, I thought I thought we were going to see Matt Savoy a little bit longer than we did. Uh, wrong, we didn't. Um, and so I, I and I, you know, I kind of I, I pressed that didn't like really press the question, but I asked Don about you know with you know with Zach coming back. I said you know is this you know is how things went with with you know with Matt with, and the way everything ended there once he was back in the lineup and he was healthy and everything and he put you know he got to play the you know the one game i said is this kind of a preparation for you know for for what's to come here with zach when he's back in the lineup and don was immediately like no these are two different players two different situations you know neither you know and i was like oh okay well all right <laughs> wrong again learned something good but um but i i the the whole thing with benson to me you know, and everybody's everybody gets worked up about the nine game thing, and and that I mean to me that's just that's that's all contract manipula- manipulation type stuff. So, um, I, I I try to judge it based on like what we're seeing with our own eyes and and the way he plays and everything. And he's he's a lot more he's such a a much more heady defender four checker player in that regard and obviously there's a lot of offensive skill and a a lot of offensive ability there where um he's got a lot more of the the kind of total package that you need at the nhl level i mean you know the you know with what i i look at him fighting three you know winnipeg guys late in the game and he gets hosed over by you know by a referee that's like okay rook you're not going to do that stuff here but um but I, I see a guy that's that looks more looks more NHL ready right now. Um, the the thing that catches me though is that like okay, you know, if you keep him, that's great. You, you know, you got to keep playing him regularly at that point and just say, all right, well, he's here to stay, so let's just let's just do this. But if you're going to kind of tinker around with things and kind of try to drag out you know, try to drag this out like a, a little while longer to get them to that nine game mark before you have to make a decision. All right. Well, what does that do in for your lineup? What does that do to, to how you're going to, how you're going to run things? You know, like what, you know, what happens from that point there? And that's where I look at the overall depth of the team and whatnot and what they're doing. And, you know, and I'm just kind of like, well, if he's not staying like the, what's the next play here. And so that, leads me to believe that he is going to stay, but I mean, the, nobody's really committed to saying like, no, he's here for good. So that, that makes me wonder, you know, you know, are we going to see, you know, a Kulik or Roseanne come up? Are we going to see, you know, it's, you know, is, is Victor Olson going to be your regular, you know, regular lineup guy all the time now is, you know, like there's a lot of questions that need to be answered as to, you know, what you're going to do if Benson isn't staying. So uh, that, that tells me that he's, that he would stay. But I mean, like I said, I've been terribly wrong about trying to, you know, to read the tea leaves on all these guys. 
Yeah, there's a couple things I want to take from that, Joe, really quick. Um, with Benson, I mean, we'll, I mean, realistically, we'll know for sure next week if he's going to stay or not. You know, they play Chicago on Sunday, and then they got a game before Thanksgiving as well. So that, and if he plays both those games, there's a nine-game mark right there. But I wonder about um, the World Juniors this year because Savoy going back down to – juniors would allow him would easily let him go to to play for Canada on the world juniors but I always wondered do they send Benson too if they decide not to keep him past the nine game mark or if his injury his the injury that he had he just came back from would a lot would like be long enough to where they could then send him to the world junior camp and not have to play him and not have to burn the year of that uh, ELC, and then he could play in the World Juniors and then potentially come back afterwards, maybe. And if he performs you know, spectacularly, he'd be coming back with a whole load of confidence in his game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wondered if, if maybe that was, if that was something that they were considering too. And then the other thing too, too as you mentioned, you know, I wonder about lineup consistency with this team. It feels like they're changing the line. The, the Don's changing the lines almost like every game or every other game. And it, I, you know, it really, I wonder how much of that is maybe messing with, with the chemistry of this team and trying to, you know, and maybe that's like where we're trying, we're, we're seeing a little bit of the lack of offense. Well, I think with Benson and world juniors, I think that, I think that's, a, that, that is, that is another factor at play here. It's just, um, you know, uh, I, I don't, and this would probably help if I knew when Canada's camp was opening up for this and whatnot. But I don't think that's for another few more weeks, uh, or a couple more weeks, I should say, um, to to figure out like you know you know who's going to go, when's going, you know what's what's happening. I think that that could be a consideration as well. Although um, you know guys who are 18 years old tend to. You know, it's, it's usually a 19 and 20 year old type tournament because I mean it is under 20. It's the under 20 tournament, but um, I, I don't think I don't think I don't think anybody would be would be saying no to Sack Benson if if I'm more, if I'm playing you know if I'm running Canada's operations. But you know they didn't <clears throat> they didn't take Matt Savoy last year, so that's you know that's that's a whole other thing. But um, when it comes to the lineup, yeah, I, I I get people getting frustrated about the lines, but. They're trying to. They've been trying so hard to find something that that clicks, something that goes, and the and I understand being like you know thinking like well you can't find something that works if it doesn't stay together. It's you know it, it, it's it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult. Um, it's a lot different than you know than it than it is to just you know kind of video game the lines up and put three guys together and go look ah that should work. And then, you know, let it run for, you know, five, six, seven games. And then, you know, if it doesn't work, then you've just kind of wasted the time. Um, you, you're, you're looking for guys that can, that, that can kind of match up with each other immediately. I think that's why you've seen, um, you've seen like Skinner and, and Tuck stay together. I think that's, that, that's a big thing. I think they've been trying to not, you know, stack things up so much so that you've got like one line that's really loaded up and then three lines that are going to be fighting it the rest of the way because then you kind of, you kind of kneecapped yourself a little bit there. So uh, you, you want to spread things out. And, you know, technically they've got the talent to be able to spread it out a little bit and, and you know, have guys that can, that could score from, from, you know, two, you know, two, three, even four lines sometimes, but that's not, 
it hasn't really worked out yet. They haven't found like the, you know, they haven't spun the Rubik's cube the right way to find, you know, to find everything match up the right way. So uh, I get the frustrations, but I mean, geez, injuries, you know, guys, guys being in and out of the lineup, all that kind of stuff has made it, made it tough to, to really roll with any groups consistently all season. Hey, you know what? Let's talk about something cool. Uh, let's talk about something a little more upbeat. And um, you mentioned more or less like duos kind of being a thing with the NHL, keeping two players together and trying to find a nice little third winger for them. Casey Middlestead and JJ Paterka have been a fun pair together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paterka scoring again last night. Uh, this is He's tied with Skinner for the lead in, um, in goals this year. What has it been looking like the breakout campaign, so to say, early on for J.J. Paterka? He's, you know what, he's he's a guy who's got some confidence in his game now. I think that's the I think that's the big part for him is that there were there were a lot of games last year, and you know, for for guys finding their way in their first season, it can be tough. You know, it, it's a hard league, you know, and the scoring chances don't really come quite as easily. So you're, you know, you can, you know, you can go a couple of games without getting a real quality chance and then you can get kind of down on yourself because, you know, if you're not producing, you, you feel like, you feel like you're letting the team down like that. There's that kind of thing. I think with JJ though, he's, he's finding, he's finding confidence in, in his offense, in the offensive side of his game, as well as being a responsible player uh, on the backside. And it's, he, he's learning that one, you know, one's kind of feeding the other. You know that, that that's something that I remember. You know, Michael Pekka was was teaching him when he was uh, when he was playing in Rochester. Was that you know the offense was fun and he was you know go 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 all the time. But you know, Pekka told him he's like he's like this is great, man. This is cool. But if you don't learn the other side of the game, you're you're never going to get out of here. And he's you know he's he's a constant study. You know, he's a constant studier of the game, and he he's learned now that his speed can make a big difference. And how he attacks it, and the angles that he, you know, that he he attacks the net from, and, and how he's able to get around guys, he's been able to do that very well, um, and kind of, you know, weaving in and out of, you know, in and out of the slot, bouncing around the net, doing all those little things like that, and now he's starting to find his finishing touch a little bit, you know, uh, he, he could have had two goals last night too, uh, just you know, when you're facing Connor Hellebuck, that's <laughs> it's a tall task. It's all tough to try to beat a guy that good. So, but you know, he went one for two against them. So, that's pretty good. But, uh, but, but he's a guy that's overall finding his game, and you know, playing with Casey, a guy who's kind of had to do a lot of the same things uh, in his own ways. Uh, you know, that's a couple of guys that have really kind of fought and battled to get their way into a spot where they can be, you know, pretty consistent um, offensive threats. And you know, now they're doing it and they're working together, and that's. It's a good set because they're both extremely skilled, extremely skilled players, but they're both playing very hard, hard at both ends of the ice. So, Joe, I've got one last one for you here. I'm going to try to end things as positively as possible. Um, more or less, Rasmus Dahlin, the numbers are there offensively for him. Defensively, he's been really good at slowing down attackers and zone entries. He's got the big boy contract. How has it overall been for him when it comes to elevating his game and trying to make sure to steady up uh, the defensive core? I think he's been very good. Um, it, it can be it can be easy to hyperfixate on defensemen. It can be so easy to do that because any mistake, any you know, any bobble of the puck, any you know, 
you know, any slightly missed read is going to get overanalyzed, especially if it turns into a, a goal against, because then it's, you know, you're just throwing stuff at the wall and saying, like, this guy's got to be better. Um, Darlene, I mean, I think last night we saw the absolute peak of what he can do, what he's capable of, uh, and how he handled that third period against Winnipeg. I mean, the guy was that's everything you want to see from, from, from Darlene where he's just owning the puck offensively and then just stifling everybody on the, on the back end. I think that's, that's what you want to see that every, you know, you want to see that every, obviously you want to see that every minute of every game ever played, but um, they, we've seen a lot of that all season. I mean, I think, I think the defensive side of things, they get, you know, defense is not exciting to talk about it's not you know nobody gets giddy about defense i get it but he's been so good about shutting down opportunities before they're even getting a chance to 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 start um you know taking away passing lanes take you know doing all these things where it's he's snuffing things out before there's even an opportunity for teams to uh to generate a, a chance i think he's been outstanding with that um the offensive you know the offensive game is starting to find its way, which I think is kind of applies to the whole team. It's really starting to starting to click in though, and he's starting to make the reads and starting. You know, I think it just comes from, you know, he's a guy that doesn't lack confidence, but sometimes confidence shows itself in how a guy plays. And I think he's he's finally decided. You know, he's kind of you know, kind of stiff. You know, stiffened his uh, stiffened his upper lip and said, you know, like listen, let's. You know, I'm I'm going to do this, and people are going to have to deal with me now. So I think he's he's applying that a lot more with his game now, and it's it's really it really shows through when he does that because he can just he can control the play, he can force action, and he can make things happen on both ends of the ice, and it's it's really impressive to watch when he does that. Yeah, just, it kind of felt to me that he was on on that uh, slow start that he's had like over the last couple of years, a couple of years. But yeah, I mean, I, I've I've loved what Darlene has done this year so far. Yeah, and I mean, it, and I I I know people have kind of uh, not to deviate away from Darlene here. People have kind of like hyper fixated on on Owen Power as well, and to me, you know, I people are mad about you know the goal last night. That that that's such a freak thing that happened, the Ehlers, the Ehlers goal that ended up, ended up being the game winner because, of course, it did. But, um, you know, the people are going to get hyper-fixated on that play. But that, that was just such a dumb, you know, wing and a prayer kind of thing where, you know, stupid things can happen. But, like, that's not it's not Power's fault. It's not anybody's fault. You know, I, you know whatever. It's, it's fine. But he's a guy where he's doing a lot of things right. It's just yeah, I think there's been a couple of like you know higher, higher pressure moments. Not higher pressure, but like just moments where you know you're looking at him, you're watching him do stuff, and it's just you know sometimes the puck comes off the stick or whatever, and you're just like, what's going on with this guy? But you know the numbers, <laughs> the numbers seem to be like, oh no, he's actually doing very well. But, um, but I think if you're a, if if you're a person that doesn't that doesn't mind the house with the with the advanced numbers, and you're just kind of watching the game, you might think that he's not playing well, but he is. But it's you know it it it's it feels like he's he's kind of having a a Darlene moment too, or it's you know waiting for everything to kind of come together and and really show itself. And I you know once once he gets the uh, the offensive game going, I think he's going to be right there with Darlene. 
Joe, I appreciate your time. We appreciate your time, as always. Um, bringing that logic and that sensibility to everyone as the Sabres have had a miserable stretch here with three straight losses. Thanksgiving coming up. I already know what you're doing, at least for part of it. Uh, but, <laughs> hey, it's a better vibe, though, when you're, when you're stuffing, your tur- stuffing your face with turkey. And um, the Lions get the Packers, man. Like That usually would be a kiss of death. But now... Um, I like your I, I like the boys' odds there in Detroit a little better. I don't know if you've uh, how much Lions on Thanksgiving you've watched. <laughs> Enough. But, uh, they're pretty good. <laughs> Maybe at too many. Laying an egg. Yeah, it's, you know. at looking bad, looking bad in front of everybody. It's you know. The good the news classic, is like, it's the classic. Like everybody's everybody came over to the house to visit. And it's like oh let's, you know, let's let's see how they're doing, and then you know. They, you know, they're they're spilling the gravy on the floor, and you know they're, you know, they, they, you know, they drank a little too much wine, you know, they started they started yelling about something. Everybody's like, just get, put this guy outside, please. Something, just, something. Just, Kevin dropped the chili. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much. Joe, nonetheless, though, I hope you have a good Thanksgiving, and um, of course, we'll be talking to you soon enough, my friend. Absolutely, guys. Have a hope. Hope the holidays are really good, really good for you guys too, and. Uh, yeah, let's uh, let's hope we there, we've got some happier hockey to talk about here the next time. Joe Yurden, thank you as always, my friend, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and your holidays. Great, thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. As Joe Yurden, noted hockey, he is one of our favorites to talk with about everything and anything, from Sabers to shooting a random couple questions about. The Lions. All right, we got to move. Um, we took too long with Joe. That's our fault. Um, I stared at Frank. Kind of his fault. But I'm the host, so kind of my fault. We'll be back. The 11.50 segment. It's already 11.50 now. Oh, boy. You ever do a segment with a face full of shame? That's what's happening right now. I just got this lick of the, we got to go. We're in, we're out, we're coming back. But something that I have not really wanted to talk about, I have to talk about next segment. That's right. We're talking about the Buffalo Bills again and the uh, fluttering offense and uh, the firing of Ken Dorsey, everything like that. Dave Buchanan in the second hour at 1230. You're listening to WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.